You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, I am extremely excited to bring today's episode. Guess who is with me? Well, never mind if you read the title of the podcast, you probably already know. Tim Hubbard is with us today on the podcast. Hey, Tim, welcome. How are you doing, Ben? It's good to be here with you. Man. Good always to be back at Carterville. Gosh, man, it is so good to see you. So a lot of our listeners don't know Tim Hubbard, and that you know just like blows my mind because I cannot imagine not knowing <laughs> Tim Hubbard. You're one of the first guys, really, that I, I knew. When I was coming to do Disciple Nows, before I was ever the youth minister, mm-hmm. I remember Jim Kane sent me to to do disciple now one one year in your house you right. know you and you and Mel were the host homes and mm-hmm. so even before I was I guess on staff at Carterville you know I guess probably two years before probably uh, so, yeah. I got to meet you guys and then uh you you were here for 17 years yeah, a lifetime it seems like I'll tell you this <laughs> when I came when I came 20 years ago I think you'd already been here for 12. And I remember looking up thinking, 12 years? Yeah. My goodness, that's forever. Yeah, it is. It was. Yeah. And it was a great forever. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, man, I just I learned so much about ministry from you. I learned so much about the Lord from you. I was so encouraged, you know, with mm-hmm. you. I just I can remember riding around in your truck having conversations. I remember, you know, going into your office down in the music suite and you know, my goodness can remember worshiping with you. So yeah. Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. Let's uh let's look back just a little bit. Okay. Okay. I've been trying to remember some of the good things God's done in our legacy. You know, just as we're experiencing lots of change right now, I'm recognizing some of the changes that God brought us through in our history that were just sweet and produced lots of fruit. Tell me about the day that God found you in Faraday, Louisiana, and (laughs) called you to Carterville Baptist Church. That's a real interesting story. Um, We had been in uh, Faraday for about two years. Prior to being in Faraday, we had gone to Memphis for 18 months, and prior to that, we were in Vidalia at First Baptist Vidalia. The interesting thing about the story, and the reason I share that, is that when the committee was looking for someone, Pat Causey was working in the same office my dad was working in, and my dad had called me and said, there's a man in my office that wants a copy of your resume. They're looking for a minister of music and youth, and that was a rare breed then, and it's much rarer even now. That's right. And so uh, I... Just said, well, Dad, you know, I'll get you one sometime. And like you do when your dad asks you to do something, sometimes you just kind of postpone. (laughs) So I took my time about that. But in the meantime, unbeknownst to me, Spike Hogan had mentioned to the committee that that he thought that I would be able to do the job well. He and I were in college together at Cary. And so uh, Spike had asked about that. And I get this information from the convention office to fill out a resume. There's a church in Mississippi interested in you. So I fill it out and leave for youth trip. And while we're on youth trip, uh, we've got our youth choir from Faraday. We, are, we stop at a mall in Pensacola, if I remember correctly. And I look up, and here comes Spike and Kitty Hogan. And uh, Spike pulls me aside says, Man, listen, I, I recommended you to my dad's church, and, and he and Mom are coming to bring our kids back to us, so maybe we'll get a chance to meet. So we had an impromptu interview with Brother Leland and Miss Donna Ruth right there in the mall while our youth group was running the halls of the mall wondering what in the world's going on. Right, yeah. But anyway, long story short, when when the committee got uh, the information, Mike was the chairman of the committee, 
And uh, he went home to his dad's office and said, I, I've got the resume of our next guy. And his dad said, no, I have, because Pat had passed on the resume. So it just was one of those things. It was You just knew that God's hand was in it. And uh, from the time we visited them with the committee and things began to, to go into place for us coming, it just was, you could just tell it was a God thing. Right. Very, very blessed time in our lives. Melanie and I, of course, we had our two children, Meredith and Lee, and they had the privilege of growing up here and and uh, we just, we love Carterville and thought we would never leave. Yeah. You know, didn't want to leave. Yeah. But God sometimes comes along and says it's time to move. And well, so, man, I'm going to tell you, you guys made a dent. Yeah. I mean, in 17 years, you guys impacted well, the culture of the church. So many of our, of our plans and dreams, just so many people. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, you were my wife's youth minister. Yeah, you know, I mean, not and not just Lindsay, but a whole generation exactly. of yeah. of folks who now are, you know, adults at Carterville raising kids mm-hmm. or adults in ministry elsewhere, wherever. Right. You know, you right. guys invested so much in them. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, to me is interesting about those days of doing both music and youth ministry, uh, we we desired to see the church grow to where we could separate those, and we were able to do so, eventually. But in those years. Uh, trying to accomplish all of that. And as our church was growing during those days, uh, uh, we were having to find unique ways to try to reach kids in, in our area. One of those unique things became the Believer's Bash. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had the first year I was here, all of our youth groups did, after, you know, ball game, fifth quarter activities yeah. you know, after every home ball game. We just competed with each other about who could get the biggest crowd, you know. So we decided after that first year, I, I got uh, Kevin Cooper, who was at uh, Pedal Harvey, and Tony Daughtry was serving at First Baptist at the time. Got those two guys together and said, guys, let's try something different this year. At least for one of the home games, let's try to get everybody together. And so we started Believer's Bash, and I guess that's still going on. Yeah. Last I heard, it well, is. Well, last year was Maybe the first year we had, had to COVID. have it. Yeah, COVID. COVID took it away. Yeah, COVID got it for us last year. So yeah. That's the first time we've missed it but since But that's then. been, you know, that's one of the unique mem- memories of the time here. And then seeing how, uh, you know, worship changed so drastically over the years because we were, we were wading through what the convention knew and churches around the world knew as the worship wars. That's right. Oh, and yeah. So you were leading we, right to the midst of We that. tried to, um, to just do what we felt the best thing was to do. And remember Brother Lena and I talking on several occasions, the pendulum always swings in both directions. And if we can find somewhere kind of in the middle that touches both extremes, we'll pull everybody along together. And fortunately, that's how God... Well, and that's still our worship style now. You know, we still still want to bring the best of the old and the new. Mm -hmm. You know, we still want to be contemporary enough for our young people and uh, drawing on those just traditional hymns of our faith enough that our senior adults, you know, are... are, I'm glad for that. Yeah. Well, you know, the church is always going to be multi-generational. Yeah. And if we ever try to make it just one generation, we, we've really narrowed the scope of who yeah. we can actually reach in some way. So, Tim, the Lord I, the Lord called you away, and I called you the other day on the phone because I'm listening through some of our old worship services, and I, I just happened upon, <laughs> didn't, I had no idea, but I happened upon the worship service in April of 2006 when you read your resignation letter. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, just for me, listening to that in my truck driving to the hospitals and back was heavy. Like mm-hmm. I remembered how heavy that moment was, yeah. you know, for me uh, hearing you do that. 
And, uh, I, you know, I just I couldn't imagine God calling you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then I've looked up since then, and I've just kind of learned, you know what? God uses us all wherever right. He wants us. So so where have you been since then? You, you left here. I left here to go to uh, Highland Baptist in Laurel. And uh, we went there as their media and music and media was the responsibility of ministry there. <clears throat> and after being there about a year, the pastor left on the spur of the moment after the end of a service, just resigned and left. That was it. And that thrust me into the the role of trying to fulfill the position of senior pastor during an interim period. And you were leading worship and preaching. I was leading worship and preaching. I don't and, think people appreciate how <clears throat> tricky and, that is. You know, and it, it made life interesting, but, uh, <laughs> but now here I find myself doing the same thing again. Yeah. But uh, oh, are you leading worship still? right are now you? at the present time? Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, it's good that you have the talent to do that. Yeah, and and it's you you just love it. You never lose that love for leading people in worship. Yeah. You know whether you're part of the worship team as, as as the preaching pastor or as the worship pastor. Yeah, right on. It's all worship. Uh, at least it should be. That's right. And so um, anyway, but but we left uh, here to go to to Laurel, and um, I'll never forget. Uh, James Wright had been at Highland Church before, and I remember him saying to me in the hallway down by my office, are you sure? Because <laughs> they had sure? some struggles, yeah. <laughs> are you sure? And I said, James, I'm, I know I don't want to go. I don't want to leave, but it's where the Lord's telling me to go at this time. And I remember telling Brother Leland about that, and, and he and I talked and prayed through that and just remembered him saying something, you know, well, if the Lord's leading you, you'll not be happy anywhere but where he leads you. Right. And so that that spoke volumes to me. And um, anyway, so we went there. Uh, after being there for for six years, um, of course, we called a new pastor in. Gene Douglas had come as pastor, and I, I was back doing the uh, just the music and media. And, um, of course, always found something to teach and was heavily involved in the discipleship process there, like, like I tried to be here, too. And, and um, anyway... Long story short, I get a phone call from the committee at Seminary Baptist, and they're looking for a pastor. And so that put a new challenge in my life. You know, I'd never really dreamed of being the the lead pastor, preaching pastor, senior pastor, whatever title you want to put before that, but but the one responsible for the entire congregation. You know, when you're on staff as a pastor, you love people, you shepherd people, but you usually find yourself dealing with just those folks that you have to spend the most time with in your area of ministry. But to be pastor, it's the whole church is, is your responsibility. So there's there's a weight there that, that maybe was not there. Oh, man. Or maybe that I did not feel others oh, otherwise. I, I, I told <clears throat> you, for me, I've told plenty of people, you know, who are in ministry and exploring new roles in ministry that, mm-hmm. like, I didn't see it coming. But the day that I moved from associate pastor to lead pastor at Carterville, mm-hmm. it's like the weight that was on my shoulders changed overnight. Yes. And it's hard to explain. Hard to explain. But just how you feel responsible That's for right. That's right. the church. And so in talking to that committee, um, the Lord has used the story of Moses numerous times in, in my trek in ministry. Right. And he brought that story back to my mind. And when I was in college, an ensemble, and we sang the story of Moses that uh Ken Miedema had written, and it's just a dramatic musical presentation of the life story of Moses. And I'll never forget that part of that story was when when God told Moses, he asked him, what's that in your hand? And he said, well, it's, it's just a staff. It's a rod. And he said, well, you need to throw it down. 
Because for me, when I started meeting with a committee at seminary, this, the struggle was not just here, I'm going to change churches again, if that's what the Lord wants. But here was a shift in what I knew. My tool bag for ministry right. had been the use of music and leading in worship and the gifts and the abilities that God had given me there. And now I knew that he just had asked me, as he reminded me of Moses' story again, that I needed to throw that down. For that shepherd's staff, that was what Moses knew. Yeah. I mean, that was his life. That's right. In those days, in that 40-year period of his life anyway. And so uh, the interesting thing about that, the Lord had to remind me also before I was willing to accept the call that the committee wanted to bring, give to me through the church to even go in view of a call of the church at seminary. I had to come to grips with the fact that, yes, God, you said, okay, it's time to throw down the tool bag you know, the, the staff, but then he reminded me, and this is where I got the piece that it was where he was leading me. He, he said, now reach down and pick it up. Mm. After it had become that snake, yeah. he reached down and what did it become? It, be, it became the, the rod of God again. Yeah. And so he reminded me in that statement and remi- taking me back to that story that, that though he was giving me a different call in this season of my life, he's not calling me away from the same work. That's right. He's not taking anything he's already given me to use as a tool bag. He's just giving me another platform mm. in which to use it. So we just try to be faithful yeah. to do that. It's well, been interesting. I get to bump into you, you know, in the hospitals or at funerals, sometimes in church settings or minister gatherings. And it's always good, man, well, to see you catch up. Love to see you all the time, too. Yeah. Appreciate those hugs and those phone calls that scare you to death. I heard you were <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so just to make sense of that, so you did not know that I was listening. No, who knew? Nobody knew yeah. that I'm listening to, you know, 15-year-old <laughs> worship services. Yeah. But I called you the other day just so that listeners make sense of that. And I said, hey, Tim, I heard you resign this morning. And you said, no, I didn't resign. I said, no, I, I, I didn't hear that you resigned. I heard you yeah. resign. I listened yeah. to the day. But, uh, man, I, I love you. It's so good to see you. Proud of you. Hey, so, Tim, this is Bible School Week for us. Yes. Um, let's, let's wrap up this podcast with a, something Bible School. Give me some Bible School. How do you talk about Bible School at Carterville without Miss Gwen? Oh, my gosh. The years of working with Miss Gwen through Bible school and all the other volunteers, of course, Bible school here has, has always been such a big thing. I remember all those mornings getting on the old bus. Oh, yeah, the old white bus. The, the old white goose, bus. Baby. And driving it around town to all of the children's care centers and yep. picking up kids and then taking them back afterwards and yep. making sure we had all the kids at the right spot. Yep. But main thing was uh, was just the, the total atmosphere of, of love and support and realizing how important Bible school was, not just for Carterville, yeah, but for the pedal community yeah. during the summer. And Carterville was able to have a hand in yeah. that. So, and just you know, brother brother Leland loved Bible school. He was always going to be be sure that he gave that that uh, gospel uh, presentation, yeah. and, and um, you know, and the kids seemed to respond every year. And it was just a joy to be able to talk to those yeah. kids, to counsel with them after they'd made decisions, and then well, see them follow through with baptism. I remember as a youth minister, uh, you know, we used to take the sixth graders, the, and Stroh does this now. He's got now what Stroh does is, you know, way bigger and cooler than what I did. But, you know, I inherited a plan. We, you know, we went bowling one day. Did a few, but one day was your pool. We would go to, mm-hmm. to your pool and swim yeah. in your backyard over yeah. on Pine Knoll. That's so, right. uh, yeah. Well, anyway, hey, Tim, we love you, man. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, man.